Hello, and welcome to episode eight of the Election Observer podcast. On this episode, we're discussing Democracy Volunteers' recent observation in Sweden. Joining me on this episode, along with my usual co-host, Tom, are returning guests, John and Harry, and later in the episode, special guest, Willie Rennie, MSP for North East Fife, who joined Democracy Volunteers on the observation. So we're joined by Harry and John again here for um, a bit of a deeper discussion on the Swedish general election. So Harry, um, Democracy Volunteers recently deployed a team of observers to go and observe the general elections in Sweden back in September. Can you tell us a bit more about how this observation went? Absolutely. Well, hello, it's lovely to talk to you again, Juliana and Tom, uh, about the observation that we had in Sweden on the 11th of September. Um, As regular listeners to the podcast will know, we do international observations um, every now and then in OSCE countries that allow international observation groups to assess their electoral process. Um, This year, we've already been to the Netherlands in the winter of last year. We were in Denmark and we'll shortly be off to the USA. So it is a big part of the work of democracy volunteers is to assess uh, the way that elections are run in other countries for a couple of reasons. Firstly, for the same reasons that we do our work in the UK. So to give constructive feedback to administrators um, and legislators in those countries about some of the weaknesses potentially of the system and how they can be improved, but also to try and spread best practice between the different nations that we observe. For our deployment in Sweden, we had a team of 26 short-term observers. Um, Five of those were long-term observers who were conducting meetings with the Swedish Election Authority um, and some of the municipalities and election administration workers. Um, But we also had a team of observers who went out on the day to make assessments of polling stations in our usual fashion. Um, And I think John's going to talk a little bit more about the findings of those observations. Um, But in general, that was that was the process. And we had a brilliant team joining us over in Sweden. Uh, And so I just want to use this opportunity to say a big thank you for all of the hard work that our volunteers put in. That's brilliant. Thank you, Harry. Um, So, John, if you want to touch on then um, maybe the previous election experience that democracy volunteers um, have had in Sweden, as we know that previously um, you have observed other elections there. Yeah, that's right. And hi, both. Um, And thanks for the podcast. It's really going very well. I think we all enjoy listening to it. Um, I think when we went in 2018, it was one of our first ever international observations. And Sweden uh, is a very open electoral process. They don't actually, one of the things I'm going to tell you in a bit is they don't actually have a formal process by which people are accredited to observe. So anyone can go into a polling station, observe the process. It's just open to the public, which is in some ways very interesting, but also potentially quite challenging. But I'll talk more about that later. But when we went in 2018, we saw all the challenges that we see in UK elections, Dutch elections, American elections, where we see people voting in Poland booth together. But also in in Sweden four years ago, we noticed that when you look at the report, you'll see a photograph of lots of ballot papers lined up in like a little box. And you used to go up, pick the ones you wanted, because there were actually three elections on the same day, uh, just to just to confuse matters. But we'll talk primarily about the parliamentary elections. You pick the ballot paper you want, you go to a polling booth, you mark your your ballot paper and you stick it in an envelope and it goes on the ballot box. That's how the process works in Sweden. And <clears throat> we noticed that in 2018 that it was pretty obvious who people were voting for because they just picked the ballot paper they wanted it. And, you know, it said the Socialist Party, the Democrats or the Moderates or whatever it said on it. And they went to the polling booth, marked it and put it in the ballot box. It was pretty obvious who they were voting for. And so we recommended four years ago that they should come up with a sort of security process by which that was shielded from the public you know so you couldn't see and this time we did see 
um, screens around those ballot papers so you couldn't see what they were doing. But it caused long queues because there was often just one set of ballot papers for three or four polling groups or even three or four polling stations, wasn't Ari? And actually, it created queues three, you know, perhaps 100, 200 long in some cases. And people were waiting for a long time. So it's one of the things that one of the impacts of that change, though it created a better secrecy of the ballots, it actually also caused people to wait for longer. Now, we didn't actually see anyone leave that queue. They were very well behaved and waited and, and went and vote, voted. But actually, it was one of the concerns about the process was that that new change, which was welcome, created another problem, which also needs to be resolved, which is one of the things we're going to sort of like talk about as part of our findings. So, yeah, I think it's really interesting to see that over the, t- um, the in the time that's passed between your observation previously and this in this most recent one, that those kind of recommendations have been taken on board. Now, in the report that is um, coming out and will be out by the time that um, people are, are listening to this podcast, there's three kind of key recommendations that are outlined. Could you talk us through those a bit? Yeah, I mean, and, and I wouldn't like to take, you know, sole personal responsibility for changing the Swedish electoral system. It was something the Swedes were conscious was a problem last time, and we, we helped to highlight the fact. But other organisations, such as the OSC, also do recommend, recommend they change this as well. And it's good, though. One of the things I would say it's great about the Swedish election authorities is they do actually listen to international advice and oversight. I know you've got Willie Rennie talking later. I think it's very important that we, we were conscious that other countries want to know what other countries think about how we improve democracy and it's one of the best things about election observation is that people listen you know there's nothing worse than electoral systems closed to advice and suggestions so yeah essentially there are three things that we came up with i won't do them in order because i think one's a bit sort of our self-interest but i'll explain why one of the things that we notice is and it's one of the things we see a lot of is ballot boxes are not always sealed and now, in a system where, if you think about it, the vote is sealed because it goes in envelopes, this is perhaps less strategically important when it comes to the ballot paper than it could be. But I think one of the fundamentals that people expect, remember the public sees the ballot box, they see it's not locked. So they can see there's a process by which it could be locked. I think they're concerned that why is that not locked? And I think one of the things about electoral integrity is not just about what reality is, it's about what perception is. If you could go to your local polling station, Juliana, and put your hand in the ballot box, you think, hang on, there's something going wrong here. So I think one of the things that we'd recommend to the the Swedes is to have a clearly overt way of proving a ballot box is sealed. And it's one of the recommendations we make. But in some ways, that's quite a fundamental part. One of the things that, perhaps the main thing that the impact of the 2018 change for this election about securing the ballot papers so you can't see which which the voters are selecting, I think has created a new problem. And that is, that essentially people are uh, in a bottleneck waiting to collect those ballot papers. In the UK, you just get one ballot paper and you go and fill it in. Yeah, Their system is very different. One of the things that perhaps listeners won't quite appreciate is, I think, Harry, I might be wrong, just remind me, I think there were 700 million ballot papers produced for Sweden. I believe by the the time that we had our meeting with the Swedish election authority mm-hmm. about two days in advance, there were about 720 million ballot papers sure. that had been printed. So yeah, nearly three quarters so, of a billion. Now for a population of six or 7 million voters, that seems excessive. So that's the first thing is why are we producing all these bits of paper? So people can choose from all those bits of paper who to vote for. Parties are allowed to give them out in the streets. It's not a ballot paper in the sense that you and I think it's a ballot paper. It's just a piece of you know, material 
that's used to vote. So that's one thing we talk about. But the, the problem with their system, this new process of collecting ballots, is it was causing these bottlenecks and causing queues as a consequence, in some cases, up to 200 people. And so that obviously is not ideal, especially, you know, Sweden's not at the Costa del Sol. It's not going to be sunny all day. On a bad day, that might have turned some votes away. We were very lucky where we were in Stockholm. It was quite a nice day. People could go and vote. And so people weren't concerned about it. But it's one of those things worth noting. So our recommendation is to try and essentially there's, there's a two-stage process now. The collection of ballot papers in one cubicle, and then you go and vote in another cubicle. Really, it makes very little sense. So there's two potential solutions. One of which is the Norwegian system, where the ballot papers are in the, the polling booth. You just pick the one you want, fill it in, stick it in the envelope, and it goes to the person sticking the ballot paper in the ballot box. Very simply, that would cut out that part of the process and everyone could just go to a polling booth, find the ballot they want, and vote. Now, the problem is that might actually generate more ballot paper. So it's one thing worth noting. You know, that might create even more demand for ballot paper so there were enough to, to put in polling stations who had more than already. There was just one place to collect them. The other alternative is actually a system we've observed in Finland. We've been to a number of elections in Finland. And they do a sort of slightly more counterintuitive idea, which is all ballot papers are the same. You just write down the number of the person you want on the ballot paper. And, and so instead of writing across, which is what we do, you just write, say, number one, my name, you vote for me. Number two, Tom's name. Number three, Paris' name. Number four, Juliana's name. And you vote for the one you want. It goes in the ballot box. And number one, number two, number three, number four wins. In some ways, that would create a much more sensible way forward. Because actually, you only need as many ballot papers as people for that. Thus, they don't print 700 million ballot papers they don't need. You just have a big post up in the polling station saying which all the candidates are for that area. And you vote for the one you want. And that solves this problem. So that might be a way forward for the Swedish authorities and something that we've recommended in this um, report. My suggestion is they probably pilot it first and also go and talk to the Finnish authorities about how they conduct it, because I think actually they'd find it's quite a, an elegant solution to the problem they've got. But I think, you know, I don't, I don't want to be too critical because the Swedes, are their, their democracy is one of the most impressive I've seen. The public are very engaged. But these are ways of, you know, this is not a fundamental problem in their system. It's one that just needs some thought and development. Finally, if you want me to just give you the final one, uh, this sounds self-interested, which I left it to last, which is there is no formal process for accreditation of observers in Sweden. And we think, bearing in mind recent international developments, that's not the wisest way forward. You know, it's entirely possible there's something called shadow observers these days. Um, you know, and, and you see them coming from countries, perhaps, you know, Russia, for example, who observe elections, but aren't necessarily there to help the process. So we would recommend going forward that the Swedish Election Authority accredits observers from international groups and domestic groups, for that matter, to observe the process in Sweden, because we just think it's a more rigorous and thought through way of conducting an election observation, rather than us just turfing up 26 people we know, which is the rules now. We can, you know, we could take a thousand people if we could find them. Um, it's just we would think it's better to actually credit people so you know who's actually observing the election in your country and who's um, going into your polling stations. So I would recommend that as well. So they're the three things we've found. Um, if you've got any more questions, I'm happy to answer them. Yeah, that was, um, it's brilliant to kind of hear how that process works after the, you know, kind of the full scope of the observation that you do, how you then kind of refine those initial findings and kind of make clear recommendations um, in, in the report. And I was just wondering then, what are the next steps now with the publishing of this report? Well, we've sent a copy today to the Swedish Election Authority, today being 
the 26th, <clears throat> excuse me, um, and they, you know, have a copy and will that they'll reflect on it and no doubt report to Parliament our findings and so on. Now the report's published, essentially it's available on our website and also, you know, people can download it from there and have a read of it. Um, we've also issued copies to the press in Sweden as well because they were quite interested in some of the findings we had because of reports they were getting on polling day uh, about long queues and some of the more, you know, uh, populated areas in Sweden. That's brilliant. And I really appreciate you both taking the time to join us um, on this episode and kind of discuss the observation that you recently undertook. And we'll be hearing next from one of the observers on the mission, MSP Willie Rennie, on his experience as an observer in Sweden. So, as Juliana mentioned there, Willie Rennie was uh, an, is a member of the Scottish Parliament who was able to join us on this recent election. Um, now, being an elected uh, politician here in the UK, it means that he can't observe anything domestically. However, it does mean that he can join us on overseas elections, which is obviously an exciting experience. And so we wanted to ask Willie about some of those experiences and some of his thoughts on the work of democracy volunteers. So, uh, Willie, lovely to meet you. How are you? You're right. Uh, very good. Yeah, I'm still recovering from the trip to Sweden, but it was <laughs> it was fascinating. I enjoyed it thoroughly. So. Oh, excellent. Well, actually, I guess that's probably a good place to start. So you you were obviously part of the team of 26 that were out there. So whereabouts were you based? Uh, we were in Gothenburg. Um, there was myself and Orla and another couple of people who were in another part of Gothenburg. Um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was the polling stations were incredibly welcoming. Um the staff were always curious about why we were there, but very willing to answer questions and, you know, um, really pleased that somebody was interested in the work that they were doing. So, yeah, no, I, I found it fascinating. Quite a different um, voting system from what I'm used to. I was astonished by the large number of ballot papers. I thought, how on earth would that work? But it actually worked really quite smoothly in comparison with what I thought it would. Um, seems to be an excessive number of ballot papers, but nevertheless, it, it's got very high turnout, um, real engagement in the political process. They only have to put up with elections once every four years, apart from European elections, which uh, do come in between times. But it's a very smooth system. Um, and it was interesting to see what improvements had been made this time around. So, yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, found it fascinating. I'm a bit of an election addict because um, I've been involved in politics for years, but I did find it fascinating. Well, that's the thing. So obviously you've been involved in elections a lot of the time and no doubt you've been through various bits of training and you've obviously seen observation missions that have gone on um, that, you've, that have gone on before. So I guess from your now personal experience of being an observer, how has that experience compared to perhaps what you kind of expected of being an observer? Yeah, I, I mean, I was, I'm used to being on the other side of the fence of trying to make sure we can get turnout up, that people are persuaded to vote for us. So the idea of, you know, looking at this from a different perspective was really interesting about how families influence each other, that family voting thing, which never been really a thing that I was bothered about before, but it's a big thing. It's an important thing because that subtle pressure has been applied and and also just how secret private the process is uh, the training was excellent the the videos in advance um the familiarization um online sessions in advance of going to sweden and then the the in-person session um uh, when we arrived in sweden they were all excellent and it's when i got into the post station it was roughly what i'd expected because the training was was so good so um, I thought it was very well run and there was no great surprises 
um, with the process. That's it. It sounds like then you've had uh, there was quite a lot to take in, though. That's it. You were talking about a number of differences to perhaps the, the experiences that you've had. But I guess then, was there anything that particularly stood out from you from that experience that you thought was something you'll take away and something you'll kind of particularly remember from your from your observation mission in uh, Sweden? Um, I, I mean, just finally, actually, just on the organisation, I think the fact that there was a special app that you could use that had the polling stations all marked on it so that it was easy to find your way around. We were in the end, we were racing around the polling stations to get as many covered as, as possible, but the app made it very, very smooth. I mean, what I think I learned from the process was that even with a system like Sweden, where you've got a very high turnout, a very proportional system that I would argue in my political life is a, is a fair system, there are still improvements that are to be made and it's still contentious. So the you know, people in Sweden are complaining, not unreasonably, about the length of the queues that were visible in some polling stations. Um, I suspect that's part of the teething problems of putting the barriers around um, the desks where the ballot papers were. Um, but nevertheless, it's a contentious issue. And if it's contentious, it matters. And I think that's really encouraging that you know people really care about how their votes work and how their democracy is operating. So that's probably my biggest takeaway, that even with a good system like that, improvements can still be made and it's still contentious. And I guess then that kind of leads me on to that broader point. You were talking about the fact that you found that not many people necessarily or were certainly intrigued by your presence and what you were up to. And I guess then from your perspective, having now been an observer and, as you say, being very much on the other side of elections, why is it do you think that election observation matters? And do you think it does matter, I guess, for that matter? I mean, even if you found no mistakes, even if you recommended no improvements, just being there applies a bit of pressure, a bit of oversight, a bit of scrutiny that makes sure that everybody does perform. The fact that you know the observers are coming will make sure you're on your best behaviour and you've got the best possible system. So I think even if no recommendations are made and no improvements are made and the system is 100% perfect, being there makes a difference. It's all part of the world is watching what your system is. And if the world's watching, you as a country matter and your democracy matters. So I think it's really it's an important part of the system. So all those people who volunteer and you wonder why are we doing this, I think it's pretty clear. It's an essential part of the system. And I guess then, leading on from that, have you now got the election observer bug? Will we see you on some other future elections in uh, years? Uh, if you allow me back, probably created too much trouble on the last one. But if you if you allow me back, I'll be there like a shot. Uh, I just find it really interesting just being from a different perspective. Even going into the polling station, the last polling station, and seeing them open all the ballot boxes right there and then and count them right there and then to see how it worked with all those people who have spent their whole day, you know, making sure that their democracy works. I thought it was really interesting. I would love it to be back because I think it's, it's such a valuable service that it provides and it's got to continue. No, I, that's it. It's been really interesting. It's been fascinating to hear from John all about the kind of report itself, but also it's really great to kind of get that insight from that kind of on the ground experience again from yourself there. That's it. But um, been lovely to speak to you, Willie. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll see you back on the podcast very soon uh, when you're uh, when you're doing your next observation mission with us. OK, thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode. And please join us again soon for more from Democracy Volunteers.